listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In our final part of the show, we are joined by Ben Cavender, Managing Director of China Market Research Group, with a view from mainland China. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. We've discussed the slowdown in China's economy a lot over the last month or so. Um, We've now seen the government's come up with a series of proposals, with the latest one seemingly trying to encourage private companies to get started again. This seems to be quite a big shift in stance to what they had been doing over the last few years. Will private companies actually heed this encouragement, or are they going to be scarred from what's happened over the last few years? Yeah, you know, I have to say, speaking with Chinese entrepreneurs here, and I think this is true both of quite large businesses as well as startups, uh, is that the sentiment right now is still overwhelmingly negative. I I think there's a pervasive sense that the, the government is really not the friend of private business right now, and that right now uh, a lot of you know, big gestures are being made on paper, but the government's really light on what that's going to look like in terms of how favorable policies are applied and what it's going to look like in terms of private business really having autonomy to innovate and grow and develop maybe the way that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs would like to. Um, so I, I think that there's there's maybe a little bit of cautious optimism that this could be favorable for private industry here, but I think you know, once you get people sitting down and, and talking about the situation, I think there's still quite a bit of negativity in the market right now. And is that due to the fact that they just feel that the government's providing rhetoric because they have to because of the state of the economy? Or is or is the government really genuinely now starting to get concerned and realize, okay, maybe they have made a mistake and what, or moved too far to one side in, over the last few years, and they need to start correcting that? I mean, I, I think that the government definitely does feel at this stage that they probably have made some planning mistakes in terms of what was needed to be done for the overall health of the economy here and especially its resiliency um, coming out of COVID. Um, but I think, you know, from the, the private business owner's perspective, um, it does sound like a lot of rhetoric. And I think when you listen to a lot of larger business owners speaking right now, they're still very, very careful to toe the party line, to use phrasing that has been put out by provincial governments or local governments to make it very clear that they are aligned with government objectives. There's very little discussion about true innovation or companies feeling like they have the freedom to invest capital in the right activities or in the the most effective growth model. So I think there, there still is quite a bit of a concern um, from private industry that, that this is a lot of talk, but that um, in practical terms, SOEs are still going to get the benefits, are still going to probably get easier access to capital, or that if private companies are treated the same way, um, they're still going to have to jump through a lot of hoops that really make it quite difficult to accelerate business growth the way that they might like to. Um, I think the caveat there is um, there are clearly certain industries right now in China where the government's mandating growth. And I think in those industries, um, it's likely we will see quite a bit of growth from private industry. Um, but it's typically the case that those industries also um, have companies that still one way or another are closely aligned with the government. So if you look at, for example, the EV market or any other sort of high value manufacturing, I think that's probably where we're going to see the growth. But the, the average small business owner that's opening a restaurant or is opening some kind of small technology business, I think it's going to be quite a bit more difficult to convince them that things are changing. 
Well, to your point, I was reading that the government was meeting with private companies that had been successful in the past and to try and reinvigorate those same industries, which you're right, which means that you're not necessarily going to get the innovative entrepreneur to come out there and create their own thing because it's not being encouraged. But wouldn't that be a better route for China to go down? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they're having this little bit of a war with, China, with the US and across the tech sector. Now, surely, in order to get ahead, you want to encourage that innovation, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think the challenge here is that um, the government is very intent on innovation, but it comes at it from uh, sort of a, a systematic brute force approach. So graduate a lot of people that have science and technology degrees, invest very heavily in business parks and support for things like AI, but at the same time, not really giving companies the leeway or freedom to, to do the kind of real innovation that's needed to sort of make a step change or do something that's just beyond what anybody else has thought of before. So I think I think that's the challenge is that they've, they've built the infrastructure for it, but are still kind of keeping the hobbles on in terms of allowing companies to do what they really need to do. And I think, you know, what we saw certainly over the last year or two with the, the crackdown on the technology sector is you have a lot of entrepreneurs saying, listen, I just, I'm too worried. I don't want to be too high, high profile now. I don't want to grow my company to be too big because then I run the risk of running afoul of the government. So it's better to be low profile or just, you know, make incremental changes or, you know, do the small thing that's going to allow the government to unlock capital for me. And that really does slow down the, the pace of innovation that I think we might otherwise see here. And then the overall economy. I mean, we have been no, I mean, seeing or looking at the numbers that's just suggesting that slowdown. When and how does that turn? I, I think the government's in a very difficult position right now because you have sort of this negative reinforcement going on. So, I mean, traditionally, the government has really grown the economy off the back of investment in infrastructure and off of exports. Um, and neither of those two sectors of the economy are likely to really improve in the near term. Um, global economy is weak. Demand for Chinese goods just isn't, isn't that high right now. And then domestic demand for goods is also quite tepid. And then on infrastructure, um, it's very hard now to... Uh, evaluate projects and find really good projects to pump money into. So it's a little bit of a losing game to make heavy investment, which is why I think we hear the government saying that they want to stimulate the economy, but they really only want to take a, a measured approach because they realize that just injecting a lot of capital and, and working on these projects isn't really going to, to help things out uh, as much as maybe they would like. So then the question becomes, how do you get consumers to spend? And consumers right now are frankly, incredibly pessimistic. If you if you talk to consumers under the age of 24, they're worried about jobs or they've just given up completely on finding jobs right now. Um, they're being told by the government to go work in the countryside, which is pretty much a non-starter for most urban youth in China. Um, and then you have their parents looking at the value of their real estate, which on paper has, in many cases, decreased quite dramatically. And so you just don't have this appetite to spend like I think the government was hoping for, and, and they're going to have to do quite a bit more to get that to turn around. So probably early 2024 at the earliest uh, before I think we started seeing more positive signs. I mean, you talk about the youth. I mean, we got 21, over 21% on youth unemployment. I mean, that's surely the priority now to try and fix, and then that should at least stimulate some sort of uh, in positivity coming through, wouldn't it? 
It, it absolutely would. I mean, if, if that job creation is possible, it would go a long way towards ameliorating the situation. I think that the challenge is, is that most of these new graduates entering the workforce, um, and we're talking about 11 plus million people per year at this point, are looking for uh, what they consider to be good quality white collar jobs. And it's just, it's not easy to make the structural changes necessary to create those jobs in a timely fashion. And so I think we, we are sort of stuck in this cycle right now of sort of um, underemployment from the sense of the jobs being available just really not being the jobs that these people want. And so until there's sort of a, a recognition that maybe somebody does have to go work in the factory or does have to take a clerical job, um, we're, we're not really going to see those uh, employment numbers or um, optimism really improve that much. Because okay. I don't I'm think sorry, I've got to cut you off there because we're running out of time. There's so much more to talk. But thank you, Ben, for coming in. I'm sorry for coming to cut you off. <laughs>